This is Gaming and BS, episode 174, coming to you Wednesday, January 17th, 2018. Welcome to Gaming and BS, tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you all on board. Sean, how the hell are you, man? Smashing, buddy. Smashing. Awesome. Yeah. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So here in Wisconsin, we have had, like, that fall for snow. It's been like crap. Sean and I both remember days of snow up your ass, um, you know, cars stranded, buses sliding off the road. We've had nothing but, like, a slight dusting in this part of the state. And now we look at the recording and... We're saying, hey, it's kind of snowing. How much we're going to get? And we get the anywhere from we have seen one to uh, zero to point nine inches, and I have also seen three to six. So with the uh, usual accuracy of Brett reading a rules book, we have a weather prediction. This is awesome. <laughs> that always kills me. You could get anywhere from six inches to a foot or three to six. There's a big goddamn difference in that. Anyway, that's my latest gripe. Yeah, it's snow. It is. It's winter. It's Wisconsin. We were just at 50 degrees four days ago. <laughs> yeah, I like put had to put the winter coat down for a minute, get a spring jacket, because it was too freaking warm. And for our Canadian folks out there, and even Buffalo, because Buffalo is no freaking joke either. Oh, hell no. Or Maine. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Or Alaska, or the Arctic Circle. Yes. Or the Antarctic Circle, if you're down there. That'd be cool. If we actually had a listener in Antarctica. That'd be crazy. Anyway. I heard they have slow internet. Probably do have slow internet. <laughs> they're right. still they're still downloading episode one. Or did they just finished listening to it? And they're like, the hell did I waste my time for that for? So for those of you that are, are hearing us banter about the weather, there's something you should know about Wisconsin people. Is that you can't start or have any type of small talk or conversation without mentioning... The, the weather. weather has to happen. It, yeah. It's just standard data. Like awkward silences, the weather. Yeah. Well, see, that, that stops us from, you know, bitching about things like, say, whichever your favorite sports team is or politics or religion or family issues, whatever it is. It's just you go right for the weather because everybody hates it. It's either awesome or you remember when it was better or worse or, oh, we're all going to die now or whatever the case is. So usually it's a good middle ground, icebreaker type of thing. Right. And Brett's still coughing. I am. It sucks. What the hell, man? You might as well take up smoking. I was thinking of it. I told yeah. my wife I gave up motorcycle riding. I should take up another dangerous habit. I think I'll start smoking heavy again. Yeah, man. Get some lucky strike unfiltered, man. It's, yeah. It's cut to the chase. Yeah. No no dicking around. Yeah, just I'll start you know, deeply inhaling the pipe smoke when I smoke my pipe periodically. That'll, that'll blacken me right the hell up. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> all right. Well, all we, right. Should, we should get on to things. Yes, let's do it. Announcements. Um, Gary Khan, just a heads up for folks. Sean and I are definitely planning to go. I've got a uh, room I'm crashing with the Wind Brothers, so that'll be cool. Um, I need a room. You need a room? I need a room. <sighs> so the <laughs> We might have room in our room, but you're going to cramp oh. our style, man. I don't know if I can. I, I will spoon with Brothers Win. <laughs> oh. Because that's. Winning. 
Oh, there you go. Huh? And and now I just got kicked out of my room. That's great, Sean. Thanks, man. And, and that is winning. <clears throat> nice. So I I don't think we can actually buy badges yet. Seriously? I don't think so. I don't know. I saw something online like somebody was trying to buy a badge and wasn't able to do it or something. So anyway, I got to go out there and get my goddamn badge. So got to get that done. Apparently I do too. But other than that, um, let's see. Oh, I've got a couple of games going to run off book there. Dave Beatty missed Game Con and he wants to play Wraith, so I'm going to drag that with me. And I'll probably have some kind of an Avalon one-shot. I was talking to Chris Steele well, over text earlier, well, yesterday and a little bit today, and I uh, may try to drag him into a D&D game too. Wow, that sounds fantastic. I don't I I've got a couple that I might want to sign up depending on if they're submitted. So if Forrest Gary runs Call of Cthulhu, I want in on that. Um maybe if something the the hubster cuz I don't think I haven't played in a game with Jason Hobbs Hobbs of Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. I had him in a game of mine, but I that was that was fun. Oh, he was in a game. He was in one that uh Nick had uh, play tested online, Abruzio. So, Got it. Okay, but I have not. I have not seen him in action. Jason Hobbs, of <laughs> Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. <laughs> do, do I have him down yet? You're getting there. You're getting there. I got to tweak that a little bit. Well, Sean, we did. You've been talking about doing this for a while. This idea of ga- gathering information about gamers doing some good shit. So what? Yes. Who, what? What? You did something. What happened? What'd you do? So. Um, what is coming right now, uh, I don't have an introduction yet. I don't have an introduction to the segment. So Paladinhood is our new segment of the show. It's gamers doing good, um, some some type of cause, charity, um, education, method, something, um, using RPG or table, actually tabletop games. I mean, if somebody's using board games, great. Um, and they've got a board game club. And they're helping students, uh, maybe uh, underrepresented students, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. We, we want to feature that in our segment called Paladinhood. So we have our first segment of Paladinhood that is with James Walls and Lawful Good Gaming. So let's take it to James. All right, I am here with James Walls. James, thanks for joining us for Paladin Hood, our first guest for Paladin Hood. I'm the first. I'm excited to be the first. Yes. So, James, you are here representing what cause? So, I am here representing an organization called Lawful Good Gaming. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's the exact opposite of Chaotic Evil Gaming. So, I don't know what group that is. But if they're out there and they're hearing this, we're coming for you, okay? So <laughs> what we are at Lawful Good Gaming is we are, and right now we're mostly on Facebook. Uh, we're close to 400 members right now, and quite a few of them are active. We had some game companies help us out. But we coordinate and run role-playing game events to help generate money for targeted organizations and charities. And our goal is to enact positive social change through the joy and love of gaming. And we do have a bit of a, uh, I want to say, I'm trying to say this as careful as possible. Some of the orgs we support, it's groups like uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, 
the Government Accountability Project. Uh, we've done some some stuff for environmental charities. If you look at our, our resume, if you will, of where we've supported in the past, uh, we definitely have a little bit of a progressive leaning uh, to our organization. And in, we were starting season three. Now, we actually started it this month, which is a push for organizations that promote equality and advocacy for the LGBTQ plus community with support for the Trevor Project, the Human Rights Campaign, SAGE, and the, we have the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is like an anti-hate organization as like our evergreen. Like every season we have, we will always be supporting them. So you mentioned uh, for different charities and organizations that you target, how, how do you choose which ones you target? Well, fortunately, it's not just me choosing. So we have, for being a relatively new and small organization, we have a really robust leadership committee. So I'm going to toss my shout out now to Christy, Rohit, Keith, Shannon, Ray, Alex, Jen, Will, and Ethan. Because I have to do that like I'm getting the Oscar for something. You know, it's like, I don't want to like it played off the stage here without mentioning them, you know? You want to give credit where credit's due. I do, because they do all the work and I just get to be on, well, usually Rohit and I get to be on podcasts and talk about it. But uh, anyway, so we what we usually do is when we're deciding what causes to look at, we start looking for organizations that support those causes and those, those, those targeted causes. And then we go to like, you know, Charity Navigator, we'll research them in, in the media. We will go through and see, you know, what their mission is, what their message is. Like for this, this season, it was, you know, some of them were really easy, you know, like Trevor Project, really great organization, uh, really vocal, really out there. Same with Human Rights Campaign. Um, SAGE, which is an organization my wife was kind of pushing for, uh, is more there to help protect and give advocacy for, for elder uh, LGBTQ. So it's not just, it's the other spectrum from the youth to the, those that are, that are getting older. So we, we, and we were, again, we, we, we take them, we run them through our gamut of looking at them, uh, in different, you know, charity, uh, ranking systems, if you will. I mean, some of these sites are great because it kind of tells you like, you know, what they're giving is like and how their money is spent. You need to really research them. And we do try to keep things kind of broad so we can get national and sometimes international support. So we, we've, we don't do really anything at the local level. So how does gaming tie into your cause and efforts? Um, sort of indirectly. So this kind of all kicked off about a year ago. And I was at my TV watching the kind of the fallout of the, the travel ban that went into place. And I saw all these great people volunteering time to lend a hand specifically attorneys that were getting their time like pro bono. And I'm like, I want to help, but I don't have anything to, to pro bono. You know, I don't have anything that I can say I can give this. I couldn't like be there at an airport, you know, running role playing games for people that are, you know, stranded. And I'm like, well, where can I? And so I put this call out on Facebook and uh, about just like, how can we what could we do as gamers to like indirectly support, maybe generate money or, or advocacy or just focus on these kinds of things? And my friend of mine, Rich Howard, took my post, shared it. And since Rich knows like 30,000 people, it got like shared and shared and shared. And by the end of that evening, it was like 30 people talking about like how we can, you know, use games to, to, to do this. And what we essentially do with them, our model is, is really kind of simple. First off, we're not a nonprofit ourselves. We actually take in no money. What we do is we have kind of a, a collection of, of game masters and we invite more to run games. And then proof of admission for those game masters is, I'm sorry, admission is 
uh, proof of donation for those game masters. So if you're going to run a game, you have like five players. We usually say no minimum donations. You just ask those five players send you proof of donation that they've donated to the targeted organization. So that way it's the money's going right to the people that need it. And we don't have to worry about any kind of legal technicalities on our side. All we're doing is running games. And that's how we've sort of become an indirect model. And so far we've had 40 events in 2017 and we brought in for those organizations about seven, just over $7,000 in generated donations. Oh, it's fantastic. Good for you. It's been a fun year. Uh, I, I will say the political spin gets us trolled a bit. I actually haven't seen this level of it since I was talking about 3D6 in order and 4th edition D&D. That was the closest I ever came to that, you know? But but being a 4th edition fan, you know, I was prepared for and the, 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 worst, the worst political trolls out there, you know, um, can't attack my love of 4E. So I'm strong. So when you have these individuals, they sign up for a game with the understanding that they're going to donate directly to a cause Correct. that you guys have stipulated. Is there a minimum that you ask for? Or is there a pretty uh, uh, little bit of latitude with that? So not really. We, we say there is no minimum, but we offer the GMs themselves if they want to set a minimum that they can. So we've had a few folks who've GM'd who have been, you know, pretty great, well-known GMs. You know, Darcy Ross uh, with Monty Cook Games, she ran several events for us. And I don't know if she... I mean, I don't think she had to have a minimum. People were, out, were, were like clamoring to get into her games. But we've had folks that have run, you know, just, you know, uh, they've generated $30, $40, $50 through their adventure that they've run. And really, our ideas and concept is every little piece helps. I'm a big fan of kind of like the, the that coin pusher concept, you know, the arcade game where you put a coin in and it pushes all the coins a little bit. And you put another coin in and it pushes all the coins a little bit and eventually some coins spill over. That's sort of how I see, you know, positive change in general as being like every little coin you toss in. Our average event yields like somewhere in $160 in donations. Uh, just recently, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brendan LaSalle and Tim DeShane ran a live event, uh, a live DCC event, Dungeon Hall Classics event up in Rhode Island. And they brought in, they broke they were, I think, like five hundred fifty dollars or something like that. They were our, our largest, you know, generating event we had last year, which is awesome. That was for the uh, United for Puerto Rico. How often do you run these games? There are events every month, uh, some in person and some online. So all you have to do is find us. The easiest way is on social media right now. We're working on the website. We're not up and running with that yet because. Uh, in general, social media has all of the you know, the scheduling, the event scheduling uh, stuff is there. It's just kind of easy to to leverage that. So on Facebook, you can find us just looking at it's facebook.com slash group slash lawful good gaming. And on Twitter, we're at lawful GG. Just seek us out and say you want to run an event and we'll send you event guidelines of, you know, here's how our suggestions, how to do it. You can create the event in uh, Facebook or G plus directly in our group. And then we just broadcast the hell out of it and try to bring players in. We'll like, like I'll like, I'll spam everybody. I'll hit like the game companies and say, hey, someone's going to run a, and I'll like tag like, you know, Goodman Games, DCC event, blah, 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 blah. And kind of hope for a retweet or a reshare. And uh, oftentimes we'll get something like that. And they'll they'll toss some support in or they'll share our, our, our tweet. And they just, you just keep hunting. Sometimes... It's a, it's a bit tough depending on when the GM wants to run the game. So we've 
We've had a few events that have had me only three or four players. We've had a lot of them max out, though. We've had some with wait lists uh, that happen. I, I myself run one event a month. My next one I'm running will be local in Pittsburgh on the 25th of this month of January. I'm running uh, a event at our local library in support of the Trevor Project with about four other uh, GMs that will be there running games. And folks can come. Um, give us their proof of donation, uh, or we'll set up a donation thing there, and yeah, we'll have a good time. So, any specific games that you guys tend to focus in on or desire, or is it pretty open? It's pretty open. I will say that I think last year, I think that one in every three games was a cipher system game. We have a lot of cipher system fans in our group. A lot of cipher system fans. We've had a lot of uh, a lot of dungeon crawl classics and mutant crawl classics. Quite a bit of 13th age. Interestingly enough, we have not had a 5th edition D&D GM yet. Or Dungeon Master yet. I should say Dungeon Master. I'll get in trouble if I don't. We have not had not yet had a, a D&D game. So, we're open if someone wants to be our first. You know, like, that'd be awesome. But And that's up to the, the Game Master who wants to run. Up to the Game Master. Yeah, is correct. And now these are all local, online, both? It's a collection of both. I would say that eighty percent of our events are online. So just basically through you know Roll Twenty or G Plus Hangouts is how most of our events occur. And we've had you know about four, five, or six that have been in person in different parts of the country. Excellent, great causes, great movement, worthy of Paladinhood, James. How do people get involved? Where do they go? I know you touched on it a little bit, but if somebody were to say, well, I want a game, I want to give at the same time, or I want to run an event for you guys, how do they get in touch with you? How do they make that happen? So like I said, you can find us on uh, Facebook or uh, G+, just by looking up Lawful Good Gaming, and that will get you there. The uh, The link is just, you know, facebook.com groups, Lawful Good Gaming. On Twitter, it's at LawfulGG. You can find me on Twitter at I live for crits, the number four, and I will point you in the right direction. And if you don't want to run a game and you just want to help share the group, that is so helpful. We, we also occasionally have things and participation for folks who don't run games. For instance, in one of the DCC things I ran recently, I had a generation of who wants to match me like $2 per zero level character I kill. And it made me very bloodthirsty for that game because like every character I killed was like 10 more dollars for charity. So I murdered that party hard. So there's other ways to participate if you don't have the time to GM or to play. So just if you if you look at your time schedule and say, I can't really be a part of this, dude, just show up and share our events and you'd be a huge help. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Paladin. Thanks for doing good in the gaming industry. We appreciate it, James. No problem, Sean. Thank you so much for having us on. That was pretty cool, though, I got to say. Yeah, so what'd you think? I like it. It's um, I like the format, so I like that. You got good data there. You call out all the right stuff. So apart from that type of critique, I think what James is doing is really freaking cool. And um, I think there is a lot of really <clears throat> seem interesting and fun, creative things that that gamers are doing to try to help raise awareness, raise money, and do lots of different things. We've we've heard about the extra life stuff. We've heard about um, <clears throat> some of our listeners have talked about things they're doing. You know, um, it, it, and it's just, it's really cool to take a, a moment to just kind of call that stuff out. And then if you have it and you're like, hey, this one speaks to me, maybe I'd like to help them out. Hey, James, I'd like to give you a hand, brother. Or you might hear one say, ah, eh, 
I'm not interested in supporting that one. Totally fine. No one's going to care, right? But if you hear something and you think it's really cool and you want to help, or if it inspires you to do something equally cool on your own, hey, that's just, this is all good, man. So one of the things that I mentioned, we didn't mention when I when I spoke to James was that Brett and I and listeners uh, of the show had and some other podcasts had helped out with Houston back in September, and when they had the hurt the hurricane hit and the flooding, we donated some money. We are not set up really well to do charity and giving and and we just we that was like kind of off the cuff i came up with how it was going to be done but i mentioned to james where you get these folks like his movement is where he needs game masters dungeon masters needs players and to be on kind of board with what charity he and his uh, group are raising funds for and they do that as part of Lawful Good Gaming. So if you don't feel as though uh, maybe you want to do something good, but you're not wanting to set up a website, um, get the rules down, uh, understand like donations, how you want to donate, how you're going to receive money, how you're going to transfer money, you can actually just volunteer for some of the folks that we feature in Paladinhood and and. Just maybe provide your own time. It may not even be finance. And then you could do that. Um, that just helps out. Then you know what? You're doing a good cause. Heck, you, I'm sure you can plug your own kind of venture. Like, you know, hey, you're on a podcast or you do maps or whatever it is that you may want to get a little recognition for. And at the same time, helping out a good cause. So, um, we appreciate James coming on the show. We look forward to speaking to other folks that are in uh, the industry, in the industry, gaming, hobby, doing good things for gamers. Um, he also mentioned, I think, Brett, like how sometimes he, you know, the cause may be political. Yeah. Um, right. But if it's not for you, that's okay. You just don't have to give to the, the cause. It's that's Don't get irate or bent out of shape about it. Um, if you don't believe in... The ACLU, that's fine. Then you just kind of fast forward it. That's the benefit of our show. We put in chapters. Yep. Uh, just listen to the few first few sentences of Paladinhood. Oh, that's not for me. Click, move it forward. Um, but we want to. We think that if you're, you know, doing something beneficial to other groups, you know, it may not be your group. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So. Again, uh, we want to thank James Walls. If you know of somebody that is doing something, uh, charity, again, cause, whatever that is, we're doing it for about a five- to ten-minute segment. Um, it costs them absolutely nothing. We just think that when I was talking to James, I said there's just so much kind of crap out there sometimes, you know, negative shit um, that some of us read about. Uh, sometimes it's controversial. Sometimes it's you know, just social media trolls. And we want to point out the positive uh, through our hobby that is just more than just sitting at a table and getting together with friends because some people are really taking it to a whole whole other level. People are using it to help with folks, uh, kids, adults with autism. Um, You know, maybe it's education through that method and maybe it's, you know, inclusivity right some people may not know about the rpg hobby and that's what we want to do so 
Hopefully you enjoyed the first one. Again, I want to thank James Wallace for listening, or listening, partaking. Uh, thanks, James. So you can check out his. The links that he mentioned uh, are going to be in the show notes. So if you didn't grab those, and if I didn't mention it, it should be go without saying. We'll have a uh, link to his fa- the, their Facebook and Twitter account as well as James's. So, yeah, that's it. Very cool, man. Thank All you. Right, for, uh, no, seriously, thank you for doing that. We, we talked about doing it, and it was a project you wanted to do, so I think this is really cool. Thank you. Yeah. All right, let's get into Random Encounter. Let's do that. All right, Random Encounter. So the first one we have is that the 80s just called, and they want Sean's bifocals back. Ah, I got new glasses. <laughs> I'm looking at them right now, and I don't know if those are... Like meat saucers, or if those are glasses, yeah, I think they're baby. glasses. I told my wife. Uh, uh, now, if yeah, if you don't know, uh, I will post the picture on Twitter. I think I have it on my Facebook page. Uh, I don't know if it's on Google Plus, but I told my wife I want to get new glasses. I'm going '80s style. She was very. Imp- she's like, oh my god! And then I got them and I put them on. She's like, they actually look really good on you. Sean's wife is legally blind. And my wife, she, she <laughs> owns, no, she's not. No, she's not. She owns about thirty pairs of glasses, and she's worked in uh, as a as a uh, optician, not a, not an optician. Yeah, optician. Anyway, Pers- person does the screening, not the optometrist, not the actual doctor. Doctor. That's right. And uh, but, anyways, yes, I needed freaking bifocals. It was kind of a pain in the ass to start reading shit. I'm at that age, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, okay. And I got cool glasses that make me look even more hip. <laughs> I've got reading glasses, dude. It's not that bad. Last year, Gary kind of was sitting there. I couldn't read something. Beatty leads over me, and Dave's like, here, try these, old man. I'm like, fuck off. Like, yeah, oh, Beatty wears oh, reading glasses. I'm like, oh, shit, these are helpful. Thank you. <laughs> so we're swapping readers like a pair of old grandpas out of a gaming retirement home. Anyway, um, feedback from Mooks and Minions on episode 173. Jared Rasher. Dude, again, comes in strong. <coughs> he says, in no particular order, point one, there is a kind of a minion rule in the 5th edition DMG where it mentions his optional rules for grouping all the creatures with single stats together in one mass of hit points and subtracting from the whole when one of the, them gets attacks to make them easier to track. <coughs> Excuse me. That's a very good point. I like that idea. There is also another optional rule where it says how many you need to assign to give Assigned to attack a given target to hit various armor classes. So instead of rolling to hit, if, say, eight goblins can engage someone, they deal damage from one of them. Hmm. Interesting. Another thing about minions in Gen System, Genesis System, is that if you trigger a crit, you take one of them out of a group of them. So you do enough damage to take one out, then trigger a crit. You have, uh, you have reduced the number of minions by two instead. Oh, cool. That's kind of like instead of going through the full-on crit, Blah, 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 blah. Just bam, bam. It's insta-kill for two. I like that. Edge of the Empire has one role resolution mechanics for fights as well. As an optional rule, if the PCs get into some kind of altercation that isn't a major fight, you can assign difficulty and decide what what winning and losing means, and then do something like assigning a strain for each threat, wounds for each failure, and crits for despairs rolled. This is good for cantina brawls so that they might walk out dinged up, but not a plot-critical scene that requires a fully statted-out opponent's. The Fate Adversary Toolkit provides some guidelines for different tiers of opponents as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Damn this thing. Cough, that is. Uh, he goes on with, Threats don't do much damage, but can soak up a lot and exist um, to be speed bumps on the way to more important things in the scene. Hitters go down easy, 
but they uh, but do a lot of damage, so they can't be ignored. If they don't take much, uh, but they don't take much to deal with. Fillers are just quote unquote there. They do minimal damage and they go down easy. They're usually used to show how many opponents the bad guys can field rather than doing anything else meaningful. Bosses are characters that are at least as competent and able to do uh, able to do things and absorb damage as PCs, if not more so. As far as homebrewing something that feels right for a game system, in my fifth edition D and D game, I did this for a mob of gargoyles. They had one hit point total. Everyone adjacent to the mob could get the full range of attacks from a gargoyle. All the gargoyles got advantage on their attacks because of sheer numbers. I keep with 5th edition rules that allow an, an adjacent character to spend an action to aid another to grant them advantage in melee combat. When the mob was at, at 50% of the hit points, they could no longer attack with advantage but could still make a full multi-attack on anyone adjacent to the mob until the rest of the mob was taken out. Anything that would have killed a gargoyle outright instead of removed, instead removed a full gargoyle's worth of hit points. A mob was vulnerable to area attacks. That seemed to work fairly well, and if we get back and running D&D again anytime soon, I would like to try that with something like Hobgoblins. That might find formation, for example. What do you think of that, man? Jared, he's an, he's he's crazy, man. He is. I like, the, I like that idea, though. Because, um, <clears throat> like he says, in keeping with the rules of 5e, how that would work, I didn't think about it because I'm not familiar enough with the Edge of the Empire, that um, the funky uh, die system there. But, Sean, that one seems to make sense as well, kind of that one roll type of thing. Hey, add in some strain or whatever. You've got the ability to just add a few extra dice in. To uh, You're using the core mechanic to solve the problem, so I like that. That's pretty cool. Thank you, Jared. Very good stuff as always. Yeah, Jared. Thanks for doing all that grunt work for us. Do uh, your turn. Yeah. Mirko Froilich. Shadow of the Demon Lord also has a simple but effective mob mechanic. Groups of ten or so creatures can be represented as a single mob with four times the health of an individual creature and taking half damage from attacks that target individuals but double damage from attacks that target an area. When the mob is incapacitated, it breaks up into 1d6 individual creatures. This allows you to start out with a single big mob and not get overwhelmed tracking tons of individual creatures as the party whittles them down, but then zoom in towards the end of the battle. Nice. You know, I do not have Shadow of the Demon Lord, Sean, but every time someone like Mirko brings it up or Michael Drescher or somebody, I keep thinking I should grab that if for no other reason than just to read through it. Might have to get a copy of the PDF. <laughs> Dude, I, I, man, I'm like, another book I need to freaking put on the goddamn shelf and never play. Well, that, that's where I'm getting into PDFs more. I can get uh, it in PDF. I read it on my iPad. I go, oh, that was cool. Neat rule. I'll use that. Or, hey, I like this idea. Yeah. I suppose I should have a rule that says if you're not if you don't plan on playing it right away, it's PDF. And then if it's like something you're definitely gonna run, then I pick it up and print. I don't know. Maybe maybe I maybe I just gotta go to PDF altogether and get rid of dead trees. Yeah, I can't do that. But the first idea you had is solid. That's okay. kinda where I'm heading. Fair enough. Mirko, thank you so much, buddy. Absolutely, man. And Chris Shore, Dungeon World does a mob mechanic. If your character is getting attacked by four goblins, um, if the player fails the hack and slash move and the GM ends up doing damage, then the character would take the normal damage from one goblin and add plus one to the damage for every additional goblin. So in this example, plus three. Ah, see? Handy. Yeah, Dungeon World does have mob (laughs) rules. Who would have known? Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Well, not not me. I haven't played it much. I haven't played it but once, and I barely remember the rules. But It's been a long time since this guy has, so thank you so much. Chris Shorb. 
Rich Fraser comments on you meet in a tavern. You meet in a tavern. What's my motivation? I might slap the player for asking that. Who made your character? You supply the motivation and I supply the adventure. I play plenty of shitty stand-in-the-back-and-bitch characters. But I always take the adventure. Come on, you gotta tell me. You can't tell me you don't like Rich's answer there. When he leads off with, "I might slap the player for asking that," you know he's in my he's in my wheelhouse. I like that. <laughs> Rich, you're good people, buddy. I'll tell you what, though. Rich does have who made your character. You supply the motivation. I mean, the, the question: Who made your character? Well, I did. Duh. If you made a character that doesn't want to do anything and doesn't I mean that's your fault the game master is doing everything he or she can to throw hooks and plot ideas and all this stuff at you and if you're like well that one just doesn't blah 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 well you know there's always so many different invitations to the dance you can get and then at some point you get to fucking show up in boogie man that's just how it goes show up at boogie it's not even a song is it please god tell me it's not really a song boogie no boogie probably is but it's not a lyric is it it's get up and boogie okay Get well, up and boogie. Well, I did learn from the uh, from the uh, from the Parliament Funkadelic. Sometimes you got to get up to get down, so that happens. Oh snap! Yeah, yeah. George. All right, that's enough right, of that. Let's get into the main topic. <laughs> All right, man. So, hmm. What I want to talk about here is Sean and I have talked about, you know, the session zero thing. And we've hammered this before. You know, players make sure you're talking, GMs make sure you're talking. And, and I thought, you know, kind of instead of trying to talk about a specific game or concept, because sometimes I think, you know, we all pull a Sean and we go, well, it depends. Oh, it depends if it's a spy game. Is it this game? Is it that game? But I honestly think that, at least I, for one, I'm pretty sure I have some core things that I really want, that basically my requirements for a good game. You know, if I'm going to sit down and game with Sean, regardless of the system, regardless of the setting, regardless of genre, story type, whatever, there are certain things that <coughs> I think I need to have. And maybe system is one of those things, but there are certain pieces that I think um, gamers, especially once you've been doing it for a while, we have some core requirements that we've got for what may, what makes a good game for us. So, Sean and I have been talking about one of the things we want to do in this new year is uh, I want to run, Sean and I want, need to game more together, so hopefully we'll get a game of Cold Shadows going and maybe drag Kevin in there and get some other cool people involved. But, I think, uh, looking at that and talking about the whole you, We Meet in a Tavern perspective and so on, I thought, hey, you know, let's uh, let's talk about what, what do we require, you know, what do, as players, even if it's just Brett and Sean, as it tends to be on the show. Uh, we'll just talk about what it is that that we need, um, what we require. Does that make sense, Sean? You track does it? Ma- yes, it does make sense. All right, man. So when it comes down to it says, hey, I'm going to play <clears throat> X game, are there any systems that you immediately just flat won't play? There are certain systems that you just don't have fun with. That if someone said, hey, I'm going to run this and I'm going to use Cypher, like, ah, oh, no. I. Ooh, GURPS. Okay. I mean, my my not wanting to play something specific 
isn't very hard and fast. Like, I could be convinced to play a game, even if it's GURPS. And I'm not, I don't hate GURPS. I don't dislike GURPS. What's the, uh, what's the thing that turns you off? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a big fan of Uncle Steve. <laughs> I could see that. After our last um, interaction, that was not very fun. Well, no, it's fine. I would say it just, I've never, I haven't, I've played it, I haven't played it a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay. Just doesn't come up very often. It's very generic, which is fine. That's part of the appeal. I get it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't think it's I'm not dying to play that game. Champions, not playing, yeah. dying to play champions. <clears throat> you know, champions, I think I would throw in my, eh, probably not. And I would go so far as to say one of the reasons I don't like champions, <clears throat> at least the last time I played it, is the incredible intricacy, absolute crazy ass crunchiness of that game system. Um, to me, my memory of it anyway, it makes, you know, Pathfinder and Rollmaster seem like, uh, you know, a walk in the park, at least Pathfinder anyway. Having each round is 12 segments, and everybody gets to act at different components and blah, blah, blah. The other one I, I would say I'm not keen on is um, Shadowrun in general. Um, the, the newer version of it that I had a chance to just kind of play one session of felt better. I love the setting, but from a rules perspective, I never want to play first edition Shadowrun ever, ever again. First edition? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, even second, first and second. Well, the last two I played, like, my group wanted to play hardcore, and a salad bowl full of D6s was just too damn much. I think a lot of people, even in the Shadowrun space, are big fans of third and maybe fourth. Fair enough. But I think the from a system requirements perspective, I would say if someone's like, hey, we're going to play a game, I'm like, well, you know, what do I really want to look for? a system that doesn't take a lot to master or that I already have mastery of. If someone said, hey, you're going to play first ed AD&D or second, I know those games really well. Sure, I could go play that right now. Some other people may be like, oh, fuck, I haven't played that in forever. I don't know the system or whatever. But having something that if it's new, I can master pretty quick or um, or if it's incredibly, incredibly crunchy. <clears throat> and a lot of times crunchy and, and time to mastery are one and the same but I just do not get into that very much. Is there any? Is there anything at that level that you just don't like? Pathfinder. Pathfinder? Pa- no, that is not a knock on. I'm not knocking on Pathfinder. I've no, we're just talking about prefer. We're just talking about preferences. You know yeah. what you like. I've played enough of it. Is mm-hmm. one re- is one reason. So it's kind of one of those. I've been there, done that. Somebody may say, "Well, then why AD and D or BX or whatever." Well, I haven't played that in years, and I hadn't. I, I probably haven't played BX First Edition, AD and D, some of the older games recently as much as I have Pathfinder in the last, maybe even in the last ten years. Okay. So Pathfinder's it's kind of I don't know it's the uh, TV TV dinner of me growing up. I had a, I had enough of them, man. <laughs> tired, tired of ripping the tinfoil. Tinfoil, ladies and gentlemen. Tin <laughs> I think foil. you used to have to have, yes. Tinfoil. It goes to the, the 80s readers he's got on. Yeah, that's right. I'm going back all 80s, man. I'm going to I'm gonna get my hair. I'm going to part it down the middle. I'm going to feather it on the side over the ears. 
Jesus Christ. Long in the back. Not a mullet. <laughs> I'm glad we don't ride motorcycle anymore because I couldn't go anywhere with you like that. Get <laughs> your ass kicked. Um, anyway, the other um, other thing from a system perspective, and maybe this is more of a genre thing than anything else, I am not a big space guy. Mm. Um, sci-fi, it's not a thing where I go, oh, you're going to play a sci-fi game. Oh, I'm in. It. It's a slower, slower thing for me. Dude, you're going to have to watch... Oh, my God. And it's just escaped my brain. What? What's the damn movie coming out on Netflix? Bright? No. no. Have you watched Bright? No, not yet. I haven't had time. That's a good one. People have, people have said it's really good. I've watched it. Um, you don't remember. Go, we'll move on. I'll, move on. I know, I'll <clears> bring it up in a second. So anyway, <coughs> when I think about, you know, hey, what makes a good game for me is I kind of I kind of run through games I like and don't like. And trying to noodle through, okay, what what don't I like about this? What's not fun about it? And, um, <coughs> excuse me, honestly, a lot of it has to do with, do I already know the system? Okay, then I'm I'm either partway there, yes, or partway there, no. And I, God, I hate playing that game. Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon. Oh, I have the book. I've have you read almost it? Fin- almost finished it, yeah. I, I read I, like 10 books at a time, so it's one of my It's coming out on Netflix, books. man. Yes, I saw that. That's science fiction. Yeah, that could be, that one could be very interesting. Yeah, that could be fun. That's like transhumanism a little bit. Yeah, well, you're sleeping people and everything if it's in right, like the book. So, anyway, yeah, man. Um, so, like I said, for me, I start with like system needs, requirements. What do I like? What don't I like in that space? Um, are there anything, Sean, when you're playing it from? Okay, so we get past a system. Hey, we're gonna play a thing we either like or are marginally okay with. Is there anything from a character needs or requirements that you have? And it doesn't even have to be system-based. Is there something that, like, look, if I'm going to have a good time playing this game, I want to make sure that I have my character is always connected to everybody, or I can play a loner, or I can do... Is there a certain type of character that you want to make sure that you can play? I don't know if it's the type of character as much as I need to know from the person running the game, the premise of the game. Like, what is... What's allowed, what's not allowed, what's kind of the backdrop, because I don't want to create a character that just doesn't make sense. So if I gave you the, we'll just make something, I'll, I'll fit it in. Uh, that, that, the warning, do the warning bells go off though? That <laughs> this this might not be good. Give me, well, give see, me more. You know how much fighty fighty is versus uh, talky talky is it going to be? Okay, that makes sense. Because I, I feel I am. Very open to playing. I I kind of like to experiment, Brett. Okay, that's don't good. Tell my, don't tell my wife; it's kind of my secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to I like different games, and I like playing different characters within those games. I am not uh, Jeff. I love you to death, buddy. I've said it on the show before, but I do not want to play the same character. Not only in the same game every time, yeah, but across different games, the same <laughs> character. I have a friend of mine I used to play with, and he was always the anachronistic mage. But goddamn, he loved that character, and he always wanted to play it, which was fine. We fine. all we all kind of got over it, but that was the that was the person in the group that when you set up a new world or a game or hey, we're going to play this, you go, well, he's going for that. And like I wonder, yeah. if, I wonder if John's going in there. Oh, there he is. Okay, there it is. The slot's always taken. Yeah, and he's really good at it. So I guess the other component for um, for you may be that, <coughs> excuse me, if it's not 
supercut dried like hey we'll have one decker one rigger one you know street samurai you know using uh shadow and parlance here but if you don't break it down like that knowing that you would be free to make something kind of cool but it would again help if you know the premise and whatnot for me from a character needs requirements i need to know that i, I guess i'm kind of in your camp is like is this a dungeon crawl, you know, for playing fantasy? <clears throat> Am I going to go old school, like hacking through Borrow Maze or going into Undermountain or Castle Greyhawk or somewhere? I'm just going to be wailing the shit out of stuff. And I tend to build a character towards that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Damn it. Um, I think the other piece for me is um, I want to make sh I do not have the need to be connected to everybody, but I want to have... The opportunity. What makes a good game for Brett is that I have the opportunity to pull out some emergent stuff during gameplay. Or if I'm playing, you know, a spy game with you, Sean, and then you mention something like, "Hey, there's a you know enemy agent or a counterintelligence or a mole," and I say, "Is that Yosef, the guy I knew from back in '73?" I just make that up on the spot, but I think it'd be fun to to throw that out there, and I I like to know that you as a game master would be like, "Oh." Yes, or no, it's not Yosef, but it may have been someone Yosef worked with. He he alluded to the Black Raven, and that's why, oh, okay, okay, cool. Maybe it's something. And then I logged that away, like, hey, I know an NPC named Yosef, and I knew him back in 73 or something like that. <clears throat> that that type of, that level of agency for me is important for me to have fun, because I like doing that stuff. Because if I don't have that, I can get really freaking bored as a player. Yeah, I think that's fair. So... The other piece, um, what I was thinking of is, Kevin and I have talked about this, and one of the things, one of the reasons he, he's really grooving on Monster Hearts, and one of the reasons he and I have had really good experiences gaming together is he really grooves on emotional bleed. <clears throat> he likes that feeling, that emotion, right? When you you hold a gun to someone's character, if you listen to the Streets of Avalon um, actual play, and a certain lady gets shot in the head, and then there's this kind of a heartbreaking scene later when he's dealing with family and stuff. He loves that stuff. He likes that, you know, that heartache, that, that pain, that emotional component of it. Um, I don't, as a player, as a game master, I love helping provide that, but as a player, I, it's not really a requirement for me. Is there anything, Sean, that you would be like, hey, I gotta have that, that really makes a good game for me? You're just, you're just too tough, Brett. I'm just too hard. It's tough you're love. You've that, got that exterior that's just... <laughs> Freaking yeah. plate mail over there, man. Yeah, I know. I know you got little ones, <laughs> so I know there's a big heart underneath that. Oh yeah, my my uh, my new team. We went through a new leader assimilation thing at work, and uh, at the end of it, it said, "We're not afraid of the beard and tattoos. We know you're a big teddy bear." <laughs> That's what the group got me. I'm like, really, guys? Thanks, thanks, guys. They haven't even seen the tattoos, have they? Well, just the ones on my arms that they could see through short sleeve shirts. I so. see. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Um, are there any? Kind, want, are there, my goal. My goal is to run a game. Yeah. And make Brett cry. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's a freaking effort, man. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, though, is there anything on a personal level, like Sean? When Sean comes to the table, I don't want to deal with X, or I want to deal with Y. Is there anything like that that you like? I, I know you hate, you hate the meta gaming thing. Someone's like, "Oh, that's a goblin. Goblins have one to four hit points." I don't. I I've calmed down a little bit on the meta gaming thing because I I think there's a time and a place. I just don't want it to be all the time. I don't want it to be kind of the way I game and we game. I think it's just kind of, frankly, 
I think there's a lot of stuff that you can do in a game without metagaming. Like if you say, hey, Sean, you should create this or you should do this. I think in a character, you should just say it in character somehow where it makes sense, where it's not breaking the immersion of the game. So, so that's, 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 a, that's a personal requirement. If you could make people play that way, you would. Uh, yes, that would be my preference, but it's not hard and fast. Again, it's not like, I mean, it, it, if it's like a big dialogue and it's, you know, okay, it's your attack and five people are around talking to each other on what the next, that person should do Mm -hmm. for five minutes. That is not the game. That's not, that's too much. (laughs) God damn it. I did that ages back running vampire. I had a couple people who were really good role players. <laughs> the problem was is that once given the spotlight to role play, they had this amazing conversation. And a couple other people in the group that were not quite as into it, they loved to do it, but after five minutes, they would look at me and say, Brett, can she just give me the information or can he just give me this so we can move past it? And the other person would get irate that they want to have a, fif- a literal 15-minute car ride where they sit in a separate room and talk to each other like they're riding in a car. Okay. I, 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 when you've got 13 to 15 people at a gaming table, you're going to have these type of groups, right? And some people really grooved on it, and they would literally go off in a different room. The people who liked that stuff would game like that way. The other people who didn't like it, it, it kind of worked sometimes and kind of didn't others. But um, those role-playing opportunities, I, I, for me personally, I want to have them there. But I want to make sure that they... At the end, <laughs> I guess at some point, they're they're fun to do. But the one that, the way I game master is, I'm like, okay, we've hit terminal repeat, or we've hit, ooh, this is great wine, one too many times. Can we please move the fucking scene along? Um, I like the story to move. So those role playing opportunities, if they're not, they can advance the plot in multiple different ways. Even if it's you come to go, wow, that was a red herring. Shit, you know, Lady, Lady Mary Beth has no data for us. Fuck, we spent our character spent an hour in game. And we learn nothing. That sucks. But other times, I, I just I want to make sure that the role playing opportunities are not just for um, for your stage actor types who really just want to go. You know what I'm saying? I want to make sure everything's kind of moving the plot along. Is where I'm at. I hate being bored. And if I'm sitting there, and combat at least is normally not boring. <clears throat> but if all of the role playing opportunities are filler. I think we've all gamed in those type of things. Where, oh, there's a good chance for you to talk to the city guard. Uh, for what purpose? We're here to go to talk to the blacksmith. Why would, why would I do what? You know. So anyway, I think the the scenes, the role playing opportunities, for me on a personal level, they need to help advance the plot. Otherwise, if I'm bored, then I start doing destructive things. I, I know I've seen me do it. <laughs> and knowing is just half the battle. Yep, that's what we learned from GI Joe. That's right. In the 80s. That's right. <laughs> bring on the 80s. So, um, so Sean, so one of the things I wanted to bring out was the X-Card thing. Now, my group and I have been gaming together for a very long time, and I normally what happens in my group is somebody will say, I'm not cool with that, or no, or I know the crew very well, and I, it's one of those pieces where, like, oh, so-and-so is upset, and we're done. Let's step outside for a second. I think <clears throat> I'm getting to a point with newer groups it is it's a if not a requirement it's a really good idea to say hey even if I don't bring up the x card term itself just to say hey if 
I do something that makes someone at this table uncomfortable, how, how, how am I going to know? And then to at least have the group say, well, well, we'll just tell you. Well, you sure? Should we do something? Hey, there's this X card theory if nobody's heard of it. And um, I, I wonder, I, I, hmm, how do I say this? I don't know if it's really something that I want to force on a table type of thing, but I'm starting to feel where it can be advantageous in a lot of places. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I have guys that I would game with. Um, I would intentionally push their buttons because I know them. <laughs> and that's the kind of guy I am. No, Sean, really? That's odd. That's not you. I know. It comes as a surprise <laughs> after listening to a few episodes of this podcast. But I, you know, those, I mean, those guys I know. Yeah. Like, I know them. I know their history. Like, I I know them pretty deeply. Like, I, gained, I just grew up with them. Like, they're my brother. Yep. But anybody else, you know, if there was a stranger at the table, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't know what them as well. So yes, I think that that might be. I haven't I haven't thrown the X card down as a part of a game. I have done it a couple times. One time we were uh, two game holes ago. Um, Victor Wyatt was at my table and said, "Hey Brett, should we have an X card?" And my immediate reaction was, "I don't think we need it." And I thought, my player just asked me if I could put down a safety tool. I'm gonna fucking do it. That's just stupid. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure, Victor. Victor Victor's gaming with you. Yeah. He already knew. Like he didn't nothing. Nothing, <laughs> nothing prompted him to touch it. He's just, but he knows it's got to be there. That's <laughs> a good idea. Somebody could cry here. Um, but no, it was, that was kind of cool. I think the other what this is leading me to is so we talk about like what do I want, right? So as a player, it sounds like hey, Sean and Brett are essentially pretty open. Brett doesn't want to be bored. He wants to have plenty to do. Want to make sure our characters are built right. Okay, kind of fundamental. But the one piece that we we talked about. I mean, I, I don't like it <clears throat> when I got showboating and that type of thing. And and we hinted at it like with the with the meta gaming. But from like a personal perspective, or even from a character perspective, is there something that to make a good gaming setting? Excuse me, a good game for you, good gaming event. Is there something that you need the game master to do? Right? Is there a level of preparedness that you expect? Do you expect that? Oh my god. Yeah, there is. All right, so lay it on me, I, brother. I think you know when a game master is. How do how do you define a good one? And I think sometimes you know when a when it's a bad one. Kind of like pornography, you know when you see it. That type of thing. Hey, I yes. know a bad one. Yes. So and then it would be one of those that would show up and be like, "Okay, let's we're gonna game." Um. All right. So. Yeah, you, I mean, you could just tell, like, <laughs> it's just not gelling. I hear you. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I, I could, I can, <laughs> no, it'll take, it'll take me a second to come up with an example of, like, So I've oh got, I've got one for you. My buddies are playing in a Pendragon game at Game Hole a couple cons ago. I think maybe two or three ago. Oh, boy. And uh, Alpha comes over and his eyes are glazed over. He said, what's wrong? He goes, this is the worst Game Master ever. And I said, really? He goes, I said, you can walk away. He goes, no, it's become a thing now. I must survive this game. <laughs> he kind of makes it's his way tra- back. It was like it's a, tra- a train wreck. Yeah, it was like a trial of adulthood to, to, you know, after this, I'll have earned my true gamer name, you know. He said what the game master would do is he had this, he had a, he had the screen. So he'd pop his head up over the screen and he'd say, okay, you look everyone in the eye. Now, look everyone in the eye. You guys are all together. Look everyone <laughs> in the eye. 
You're on the road. Look everyone in the eye. They'd shrink behind the screen. You start talking like this. Okay, now. Head down. What is it everybody's doing? <laughs> and it was like, what? You couldn't hear him. It's loud. It's a con. But his... Um, <laughs> Alpha described it to me as he's like this bizarrely misplaced dramatic pauses. <laughs> Just... But it was very clear that this is how this dude runs. This is his jam, man. This is his thing. He, Alpha said he was well prepared. He knew what to do. He knew when things were and whatever. He said he was just so slow. There's a pacing thing. And for me, pacing is a big thing. If I'm sitting at the table and, I, like I said, boredom, not only just from, you know, um, my other players sometimes drive me nuts or wanting to argue about who gets, you know, whatever, who gets the, the final kill on the Goblin King or whatever the fuck they want to argue about. But the Game Master not helping to push the plot along is my bigger component. And there's a level of preparedness, I'm sure, that comes in there, whether you're really good at improv <laughs> excuse me, or you are a more note guy, or even if I'm on the train, as long as the scenery's good, I'm happy. But at some point, fucking move shit along. Um, that's the one thing that just drives me bananas from a Game Master perspective. Yeah. So are there other... So I guess from the other piece, so if I, I think generically speaking, it's kind of like I want to find players that share at least half of my views because we're going to have a much better time, right? But they say, hey, I really can't stand GURPS if that's what you Let's say we took a hard stand. I hate GURPS. I don't ever want to play it. We sit down in a, with a brand new gaming group like, hey, we play GURPS exclusively. This is probably not going to be a good fit. That was pretty obvious. Um, but I think... <laughs> So I guess, Sean, the reason I brought this up was I think at some point it became it became very apparent to me. I started game mastering because <clears throat> I wanted to do it. I thought it would be really cool to run the game itself. And the more I got into it, the more I realized game masters, guys that were running games for me, weren't doing it the way I would do it. So they would do something like, oh, that's not what I would have done. I would have done something different. And I realized the only way that I'm going to ever run a game Exactly the way I want it run is if I do it. So I'm going to go do that. Here. Like, here uh, just g- give here, me here. that screen. Just give me that damn thing. Give me that game. God here, damn here. it. Just, just sit over there. Just sit down. Um, let, me, let, me, let me grab those dice. It's like I got a little bit of my dad in me. No, just, just, just <laughs> give me the wrench. Just sit down. Here. Hold this. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of my old man in me. Anyway, I think, um, but taking time to, to think about this stuff, and I know this is I hope this wasn't horribly boring for listeners, but I think the idea here is it is worth it, in my opinion, to take the time and think about the core things that you really need to have a fun game. I honestly think Sean and I are fairly easy going. I'll sit down and go. I'll try almost any game once. Go, oh, boy, that blew. I didn't like that one at all. Or, oh, that was no fun or whatever. I'll, I'll try it. <clears throat> I'll try to jump in with both feet and go, especially at a con. But at the end of the day, I think doing that... The things you need are some people may have a hard requirement. Some people may be like, look, I will not play at a table with this type of person, right? Some people may say, I will not handle rules lawyers. I will not handle people who are rude. I will not handle vulgarity at my table. If they don't like that, one, they shouldn't be listening to me if they don't like vulgarity. True. Because I'll fuck that up in a minute. But anyway, if there's certain core pieces that you as a player have to have or have to not have, I think it's important that you <clears throat> you don't necessarily have to write that shit down, but at least think about it and be very 
very open with it, as politely as you can, to a new group or whatever it is you're coming into. It's kind of the whole expectations, right? I hope this adventure is really good, and I really want to make sure that my ranger has plenty to do. Even if <clears throat> sometimes I think if we take it away from, because it's still gaming is a very personal thing, too, and I think if we take it away from just the character piece and put a very personal, real live person persona behind this and say, look, Sean doesn't like X, and so Sean better tell Brett that, look, I don't like playing with this type of thing. We've talked about what the X card alluded to it there with the, you know, I don't like it. <clears throat> I don't like hurting children. I don't like violence against women. I don't like violence against anybody. I don't like this or whatever. And if you're running a game, you know, I can't remember. There's a book on drive through RPG. Someone reminded me of it. It's A Thousand Dead Babies. Is the drive through yeah, RPG I saw, book. I saw that. Yeah. Cunningham, Bruce Cunningham reminded me of it. Um, if that is a thing that you're like, hey, um, you're running a game called The Thousand Dead Babies as the next campaign, Brett. I really, I have to bow out. I don't like that. Oh, shit, Sean, I didn't know you didn't like that. I'm sorry, I'll change. Or we can do something else. <coughs> Excuse me, damn it, this cough is getting murder. But I think doing those things, calling it out is important because it's kind of like, you know, if I get mad at the game master or the other players for allowing a behavior or whatever, if you really need an X card at the table because that is what helps you feel that you're able to game safely or feel that you have an out and you have a group that will not let you have it, my advice is don't play with them flat. If they won't listen or capitulate in some way to help you, you know, meet that type of need, especially a safety need, then you, you shouldn't be game with them because that's just not emotionally safe for you. But if you're playing with a group that, like, never lets role-playing opportunities, all they want to do is kill, you know, I mean, literally murder a hobo, kill the monsters and take all their shit. If, that, if you hate that, but that's all the group wants to do, you either suck it up or leave. But I think it behooves you and to tell the group what you need, right? And sometimes it's not going to be like, look, I can't handle violence against children. You do not have to explain yourself. That's not there. No one's asking you to dig into the, the pain or the personal whatever. Like, look, I do not want to have parent-child issues. Okay. That's legit. <clears throat> you don't have to explain that. Or, hey, I don't like emotional bleed in my games. I do not want to cry here tonight. Okay, that's fine. But I think by, by making sure that you voice those things in some way so that you're very, very clear on what your requirements are to have a good game, to have a good time while playing... Um, if you don't voice it, then it's like a super dynamic character background that you never share with anybody. It doesn't kind of doesn't matter in a way because I don't know. It's the truth has to get on the table. You got to lay it out there at some point. So anyway, Sean, that, that was my, my thought here is it, it's as even as easy going as you are for gaming. It's still worthy of me knowing you after these conversations that we've had over the years is like, Hey, you know, if you met a game, all the time at the table, Sean. At some point, will be will go. God damn it! Knock it off. It will frustrate you. And <clears throat> by having you bring those things up, I think it's it's important because then, as the, if I'm running the game, and even if I'm a player, I can then help to head that stuff off because I go, hey, that's a thing my fellow players don't like. If I help make sure you're taken care of, hopefully everyone will help make sure I'm taken care of. And I think you know we talk a lot of times about just raw system things and whatever, or what the character wants to do. But I think what it comes down to is there's, there's some hard needs or requirements that players have and game masters have too. But just from a player's perspective, what do you need to make sure you have? You know, if you don't feel you can trust the game master, 
because they lie to you. They're sneaky. They, I mean, not even like emotional or personally damaging and outside in real life, not, you know, doing X card worthy stuff, but they, they're illogical. Their rules don't make sense or whatever it is. Or like, look, if we house rule, I need it written down so we can do the same fucking house rule every time. If that's a requirement you have, I think it's worth calling that out. Does that make sense? It does. Kind of went on a little tirade there. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. And it's Bruce Cunnington. What's that? Was it Bruce Cunnington? Yeah, it was Bruce Cunnington. Okay. Yeah, he did the Thousand Dead Babies. You said me. Cunningham. Cun- did I say Cunningham? Ah, damn you it. Said, that's Richie Cunningham. No, yeah, I'm sorry, Cunning- Cunnington. God damn it. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry, Bruce. That's all right. But yes, that's okay. And it's a good tangent. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. You got to have kind of some baselines, right? But sometimes I think you don't know those baselines until you see those and experience them. Like, holy shit, this person does not know what the hell they're doing. It is time for me to go. Yeah. I think, I think what, and the cool thing is once you've identified that, so Sean, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing it since third grade, you know, pretty much nonstop. Sean's been doing it for years and years and years, decades as well. At a certain point, we're like, oh, I see that. I don't like that. I'm leaving. And a new person would be like, what? What? You know, if they're new to gaming, they haven't figured some of that stuff out yet. No. <laughs> and I have seen new players, my kids included, at Evercon saying, how was that game? It was pretty it was fun, I had a lot of fun. Then I talked to Alana about it afterwards. Well, you know, I did try to do something and the game master said I wasn't allowed to do that because it wasn't specifically in the rules and I like it the way you do it better. Oh, okay, that's good to know. Had dad rocks. Um But then when they're playing, they got the chance to play with Alex Camera and my buddy Lenny ran a game for me at Evercon. They had so much fun because like what was fun? I asked those questions <coughs> of them. Oh, we got to play different things with super high level, we got to a lot of powerful things, a lot of tricks and traps and, you know, puzzles to figure out. Oh, this was fun. And, oh, Lenny put a timer on the table so we had 15 minutes to figure out how to how to stop the dragon from being summoned. That's cool. But then by help, they're only little, they're only like 11 and 9. But by asking them those questions, what I'm trying to do is the same thing I try to do with adults is, really, that game was fun. What was cool about it? I'm asking that for a couple of reasons. One, Gamer War stories are fun to hear sometimes if they're really cool. And two... I want to, even if it doesn't help the other person, honestly, I want to hear what they did. And then I judge myself and go, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I had people say, oh, we had this type of, we had this conceit in the game. Oh, this was this really cool one-off thing. I'm like, that's like, that like a fucking nightmare. Really? I'm not going to say that to them, you know, but I'm like, okay, that goes in a vault of shit. Brett probably does not think would be fun. And sometimes I've had players say, yeah, that was terrible. Really? What sucked about it? And they'll tell me something in the back of my head. I'm thinking, shit, I run a game just like that. Oh, my God, that's how I run a game. This person hates it. Don't ask <laughs> this guy to play with me. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's that concept of looking at yourself for a, for a minute, right? Take the time. Identify the core things that you know. And as you learn them, log them away somehow, however it is that you remember this stuff. Um, if you gamed and you found the X card is, is incredibly helpful, then make sure that's a thing you bring up. If you're like, hey, I need systems that allow me to game in a certain way because I like the way these types of mechanics work, that's that's worthy of note because that's the that's a good way for you to make sure that when you are gaming, you're having the most fun possible when you get when you finally sit down at the table. But I guess that's where I'm going. We good? I think so, man. I think. Let's move on. I think I've right. enough. So, if, as always, just to wrap it up, if anybody else out there has thoughts, questions, or whatever about this, or even their own input, that would be great. I mean, I 
Sean and I have talked. This is one of the topics we'll have off the mics. You know, boy, I hate it when X happens. Oh, boy, if only this would happen or whatever. And it, it bleeds into all the different things we've talked about. And I think he and I know each other well enough now. If I sit down to run a game for Sean, I've got a pretty good idea about the shit he doesn't like. Right? And I think he's got a good idea of the shit that Brett doesn't like. But uh, I, th- I think it's worth I think it's worth thinking about. So, anyway, if you've got some ideas or thoughts, hit us up with it. Yeah, let us know about the shit you don't like. It could be Brett and Sean. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get it to Daryl. Daryl. Two to four miscellaneous points of game in a geekery. I have a few. Uh, let's see. First one for me, Dyson Logos Map Pack. So if you're not following Dyson Logos on Facebook and Twitter and Patreon, uh, does a lot of map work. That's all Dyson does. Amazing map work. Yeah, good good map work. Um, so I think he did like a map pack with 170 maps that you can just pick up. Um, he consolidated them all, and now you can pick it up all as in one bundle. Yeah, uh, 170 maps available under a free commercial license. Yep. Damn, 20 bucks on RPG now. Yeah, so check that out. Uh, Dan Meth. Is uh, you know I don't know Dan Meth. It's his website, but he I saw it on Twitter, and tracked it back to his website, his pop culture charts, and I thought the one that was kind of cool for some of my fellow nerdums out there, specifically would be the futuristic movie timeline. So I think Dan just kind of gets stuff together and consolidates it, and th- like the pop culture charts are pretty interesting. Check those out. The futuristic movie timelines, like an infer, what is it called? A uh, info, info chart, whatever. It was like, you know, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. You so know, you, where it goes to Escape from New York, where that flies. To, where's 2001? Free Jack, Postman, Children of Men, 12 Monkeys, Demolition Man, Forbidden Planet, Planet of the Apes, Dune. Yeah. Where's Logan Run fit in there? Put it all on a timeline. Neat. Last one, John Carter of Mars's RPG Kickstarter went 300% in first hours of that Kickstarter. Uh, when you're listening to this, if you listen to it the day this episode drops, there's 24 days to go as of this recording. Um, so if it's after that, if you're listening to this in February, you may be too late. Did you ever read... Edgar Rice Burroughs, John Carter of Mars. Did you ever read I those? I did not. Neither no. did I. This is one of those. I'm going to have to grab these because there's a weird zeitgeisty thing periodically that'll happen. I'm like, hey, everybody's talking about Dying Earth. I should go buy this. So that's on my to read stack, Jack Vance's stuff. And then the next thing I know, everyone, quote unquote, within Brett's little Twitter sphere, somebody will bring up the John Carter thing, and somebody else mentions something, and somebody else says, ah, fuck it. I got to go find some goddamn Edgar Rice Burroughs, John Carter books. I got to figure out what's going on. So Modifius is is making that game, so it's probably going to be a 2D20-based game, I'm guessing. Um, they are publishers of games like Conan the RPG, uh, Star Trek Adventures, uh, Mutant Year One is one. So Year Zero, or is it Year One? Year Zero. Year Zero. You're right. Anyways, check those out. Very cool. Uh, Got a co- Brett? Yep, a couple from listeners here. Goblin's Henchman point us to a Goblin Mine dungeon, ze- dungeon Zone. It's a free zine. So link in the show notes to that. That looks pretty cool. Thank you, Mr. Henchman, sir. And uh, Brian Kreutzinger uh, warns us. Kreutzinger. Kreutzinger. Thank you. Good God, I always screw that one up. Brian Kreutzinger yeah. 
She had to know that German man. I know. He uh, warned us about the... Brian uh, Kreutzinger! <laughs> I see nothing. Um, he told us about the homemade drones that apparently bombed a Russian airbase. So, yeah, that's happening. That shit that happens. This is one of those things where you read it and you're like, okay, that's just kind of stupid or creepy or what idiot did that. But, again, I think about the, the gaming possibility of that. Drones, people doing crazy stuff. Yeah, rigor, man. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> Real life rigor. Real life. Very cool. All right, Brett. What are we talking about next week? Next week, I want to talk about hidden hit points. Hidden hit points. Hidden hit points. Yeah. Hidden. I'm drag. I'm uh, dredging up an old uh, thing that. that speaking of bizarre zeitgeist, something came to me about an old uh, article I read back on Pyramid Magazine, which was online by Steve Jackson Games. An old article I read. Uncle Steve. <clears throat> Uncle Steve. Yeah, exactly. Uncle Steve <laughs> had this one out there. He didn't write it. The John Wick thing. I'm going to talk about it next week, and we'll see where we go with it. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. I'm on your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.